We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Road to Wire College Football Podcast. I'm Mario Puig. Uh, John McKechnie is here. James Anderson is not. John, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, obviously, we miss James, but uh, he's out in Arizona scouting some baseball, so that's pretty cool. I just assumed he had been running away crying all this time after Juju Smith broke his hand, and it's <laughs> like he's in practice. It's not even that bad, James, but I guess uh, what you said makes more sense as far as him leaving for days at a time. Um, but in any case, we're going to try to go into this. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get this up in time for the Bowling Green Ohio game for the Wednesday slate, but uh, everybody probably knows Bowling Green's going to score a lot of points. Ohio probably will not. Uh, that's about all there is to say with that. Um, but otherwise, we're definitely going to dive in a little bit on the Thursday offerings here. So, uh, John, is there is there any uh, particular thing you're targeting with uh, the, the remaining games this this uh, pre-Saturday offerings? Um, I think you know we're looking at. Let's take a look at App State, Arkansas. 
So I'll state first, um, I think Taylor Lamb at 7000 is is a reasonable price. I think if you're going to stay off the Matt Johnson, Dak, Dak Prescott, higher-priced quarterbacks, I think that a combo of uh, Taylor Lamb and Zach Terrell from uh, Western Michigan would, would be like a nice little combo that'll save you some room uh, to stack up on receivers and other skill positions. Yeah, I was actually fading Dak Prescott pretty heavily, as much as I always loved Dak. Um, that game could be pretty ugly. Missouri's defense is very good, and while Dak probably can wear them down late and you know get a get a rushing touchdown or two to push him over that twenty twenty five fantasy point mark, I'm not sure it makes sense to go after him a whole lot when, uh, like you mentioned, Terrell Terrell, however he pronounces it, he's he's averaging a touchdown like every twelve passes in that offense. Uh, Braverman Daniel Braverman, the receiver, is due for a couple touchdowns after going with none last week and um yeah i mean ball state is just a team that's probably not going to be able to slow them down much at home uh taylor lamb is interesting but i i kind of worry about his low usage like his he's so productive on a per play basis that it's easy to miss the fact that he just doesn't run many plays doesn't throw mm-hmm. that much doesn't run that much uh but by averaging like seven yards a carry and throwing a touchdown every 10 or 12 passes or whatever he's still been good um but yeah this is this is a high stakes game um for them in the Sun Belt. so it'll be interesting to see if they pour it on a little bit I think they'll have the opportunity to do it Arkansas State's defense is competent but I'm not sure it's good enough to slow the Appalachian State offense which just seems really difficult to stop especially on the ground Marcus Cox I think is the top running back play on the slate even though he's not the most expensive one um at least as far as i've seen on most sites mm-hmm. um but yeah i i'm actually going to be targeting the baylor crew quite heavily um kansas state's defense is known as being pretty good obviously but uh even at home they gave up seven touchdowns compared to just two interceptions against uh tcu in oklahoma okay. i know it, it makes sense for people to be a little bit um concerned about jared stidham stepping in for seth russell but um Sidham's actually a far better prospect than Seth Russell was Russell's obviously got the experience advantage and is probably a much better runner but as far as the passing game I don't expect much to fall off and uh like 8400 8500 for a starting Baylor quarterback in any particular slate is uh something to target I think if you believe in the quarterback which I do especially just because they have so much help for him at receiver and running back right um are you going to be paying up for Corey Coleman at all well I was actually about to ask you you know because we got a new quarterback in the mix now uh do we know that uh Stidham is going to be funneling the majority of his targets to Corey Coleman I mean obviously it would make sense for him to do that but do you think that possibly uh, the change in quarterback scenery uh, maybe makes Jay Lee or Katie Cannon a little bit more uh, appealing, in your opinion? I don't think it changes much for Coleman either way. I, I know him and Seth Russell were pretty tight. Um, like Coleman was taking every chance he could in the media this offseason, talking about what, how much uh, Seth Russell was going to just rule this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he's sad to see Seth hurt, but uh, – I mean, I think Stidham's probably just as good of a passer as Russell. For as good as Russell's numbers were, and they were insanely good, mm-hmm. he was often a little bit sloppy. And I think I think Stidham's pedigree, you know, in in a system like this that's so reliably productive with the players around him that are so dominant, I think he can be raw and you know not nearly as good as he'll be a couple of years from now, and still be able to lead that offense to like a top five finish the rest of the way, uh, maybe even top three. So I I think there's I think there's room for Coleman to keep doing what he's been doing. 8600 on DraftKings is tough for me to fit in. I don't know if I'll be able to. 
I do expect Katie Cannon to finally have his breakout game this week. That's why I fit him in. Yeah, he's he's very affordable, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping some people are scared off by his inconsistency to this point because uh, the numbers have been disappointing for sure. Like a lot of people thought he was going to be like a top ten fantasy receiver this year, mm-hmm. and he hasn't even been as good as Jay Lee. However, uh, in the past month or so, the targets have swung drastically in favor of Cannon, and I think he's he's just long overdue for uh, you know at least like a two touchdown game. Not not necessarily this week, but at you know, for instance, on DraftKings, uh, fifty-two hundred. I think that's that. That's exactly that's the price range where I have no reservations about firing him up. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're looking for some kind of subtle uh, background story for for a reason to be favorable to Cannon, it's like maybe uh, you know, he being the third-ish receiver, kind of like the top backup receiver or something. Maybe he's got some extra reps with. Um, fellow youngster Stidham, I don't know, but uh, obviously Russell has been around. But Russell was in his fourth year. I think Jay Lee's in his fourth or his fifth year. Mm-hmm. Coleman's in, in his sec- uh, sophomore year, I think. Right? Yeah, I think Coleman's a red shirt. No, uh, he's in, he's in his junior year, either his red shirt or okay. uh, or his uh, true junior, whatever. But either way, uh, I, I think the data just says that Cannon's due for a good game, so I'm targeting him uh, both DraftKings and FanDuel, um, where the prices are pretty similar between the two. Jay Lee. I mean, he's big and athletic enough, and he's got great, you know, per target numbers this year. But they just aren't going to him consistently enough for me to consider him outside of GPPs. But um, right. yeah, we'll see. I, I think Coleman stays red hot. I'm not worried about that offense at all. Um, I guess they might give a little more work to the running game just to ease Stidham in. But I almost feel like it's more in the Baylor nature to just as easily go more pass heavy if it turns out that Stidham's doing well that day because mm-hmm. it's like why not get him just you know finely tuned before the defenses get a little tougher the stakes a little higher um but yeah we'll see I, I think Stidham's gonna be great so I'm going all in on him pretty much all right right on but um yeah so let's see the other games on the Wednesday we got, slit. we got Buffalo and Kent State Does it, did anything strike you there I mean uh last week Ron Willoughby kind of came out of nowhere and had a really big game uh with 22.7 points, two touchdowns, including a 78-yarder. Uh, and he's had touchdowns, actually, in three of his last four games. Uh, and at 4,800, I think if if uh, you know you need a value guy at your flex, I think he's a guy I'm looking at for sure. Yeah, that game could be a bit ugly, I think, just because Kent State's offense is just garbage. Like, they have no idea what they're doing. They're right. not particularly talented. There's no vision. There's no execution. <laughs> it's all just terrible. And the Buffalo defense is pretty good by max standards. However, the Buffalo offense has taken a step back this year, especially Joe Lakeda, the quarterback. He was mm-hmm. a 30 touchdown player last year, and he just does not look that great this year. But like you said, Willoughby, um, he's the clear lead receiver. He's the heavy favorite to catch a touchdown pass if one is thrown, mm-hmm. uh, which he did twice last week. But uh, Kent State's defense is good by max standards. Like, and That's true. They have two corners. Who are quite good it's it's only when they go against a team like bowling green do they really get exposed because it's it's uh the, the secondary depth that's vulnerable but the top two the guys who will go against willoughby in, in other words i think are up to the task or or at least i i'm not optimistic enough uh of the buffalo offense on the road where i'm gonna go after willoughby much uh, okay. but yeah it makes sense at least in gpp consideration because he, again he is he's six four and he's just the clear lead receiver he's got to be the favorite to catch a touchdown um although i guess the tight end matt weiser is due for one um 
I think it makes sense to go after Wiser just because he is he's the clear like second target in the passing right. game. So he's forty one hundred on DraftKings. If he gets you know a five catch fifty yard one touchdown game, that's that's a pretty nice return there. Uh, but yeah, otherwise. Uh, do we know what Anton Taylor's deal is? Like Jordan Johnson was clearly the starter last week, and Taylor played off the bench, and it was hard to read into it. Like, were they just doing that because Taylor was still limited, or do they actually believe that Johnson's better? I think at this point, uh, Johnson has done well enough to where Taylor might might take a second fiddle type type of role to him, and in that case, you know, you got you got Johnson at sixty seven hundred. That's that's too high for me. I think so too. I and mean, Marcus Cox is sixty eight hundred. That's a no brainer in my opinion because Cox is just he's he's so reliable and and this, it's a home game where they're heavy favorites. Uh, yeah, whereas Johnson's on the road against a pretty tough defense, and we don't even know what his workload will be. Right. Uh, one other running back question I, I wanted to get to before we moved off of this slate was kind of the. The Western Michigan, what's happened to Jarvie and Franklin and this Jamari Bogan guy, uh, you know, four touchdowns last week out of his eight carries. That's obviously not sustainable, but I think that's going to be enough to get the Lemmings to to really have them at highly rated or highly uh, owned in GPPs this week. Yeah, I won't be going after Bogan myself, largely because of the regression concern that you alluded to. And also, He's 5'7", listed at 5'7", 174, so he, he's really, really strong from what I've read. Like, he's one of those, you know, I guess, it, whatever. Real gym what, rat. Yeah, I was going to say muscle hamster, but I <laughs> guess, like, if Doug Martin is 220 and he's still a hamster, then we need a smaller rodent to compare him to. Is so like, muscle mole? Sugar glider? Uh, yeah, I don't know. He doesn't even have muscles, really. He's, he, so he's, he's, he's very uh, strong for how small he is in any case, and he's also much faster, more elusive than in general than Franklin. I think it's safe to say he's the more efficient runner by far. Um, it's just, on the other hand, Franklin's only got four touchdowns and 126 carries, he's only averaging like 0.15 less per carry than he did last year. So it's not like he's just running like garbage or at least not so much worse than a year ago. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's due for a multi-touchdown game. And when he's cheaper than Bogan, I'm just going to have to go with Franklin because he's still the starter. I mean, Western Michigan's not going to go with Bogan as a starter after Franklin was, you know, such a visible, you know, kind of like franchise type player at the college level with 1500 yards and 24 touchdowns last year as a true freshman so I think Franklin stays in the picture even though Bogan's basically better I think it's just like Bogan's going to be the kind of player that they try to save for you know the secret weapon scenarios where when the competition gets a little bit tougher I don't think Ball State can put up much of a resistance I will say quickly that Riley Neal their quarterback is cheap enough on DraftKings at 5,700 where I am probably going to get a decent amount of exposure to him just because uh, Ball State's tempo is a bit higher than most teams on the slate. This is a pretty low-tempo slate, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, he throws the ball a lot, and he runs the ball a lot. He's really bad at both, but he still does both quite <laughs> a lot, and that leaves the hope that just you know a couple broken, fluky big plays gets him to meet value. Um, he's been slumping lately. He had four touchdowns against Northern Illinois earlier this year, though, so he's shown he can do it. Um, with that said, uh, one player at Ball State that I'm definitely going all in on, Jordan Williams at 5,800, um, the receiver. He's he's gets so many targets, and he's actually a legitimate talent, very good player. I don't I think Western Michigan can slow him down, but I think it could be one of those games where he gets like 15 targets, six or seven catches for you know 80 yards and touchdown and at 5800 that's all oh, it that's, takes yeah absolutely um but yeah otherwise in that game not so much that uh, or, i mean braverman and Corey davis obviously are locks 
uh, Terrell, as we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, otherwise, on this slate, like I'm not going at Arkansas State anybody. Their backfield is too difficult to decode. Um, Kansas State, if you're really, uh, really, you know, got a fixation on some kind of GPP target there, Charles Jones, the running back at 4100. He's been getting more work lately, but I still don't think he's very good, and that offense is a train wreck right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I guess the only players, uh, let's see, and then Mississippi State-Missouri game, Russell Hansbro, the running back, is only 4,600. He seems to be back from his ankle injury. It just seems that the offense is so bad that his numbers have been smothered. But at home against Mississippi State defense, that isn't that good. He might be a decent bounce-back target. But um, any thoughts on Nevada-Fresno otherwise? Well, my fr- my only counter to, to the Hansbro, like, I, I agree. I think, like, he's, he's a good play against Mississippi State. But uh, with Drew Locke, like, locked in as their starter for the rest of the year i think mississippi state is probably going to try to stop the run and make a lock beat him so in that case you know hansborough is going to get a lot of work but i wouldn't expect gaudy uh like uh yards per carry averages out of him but you know obviously he can reach pay dirt maybe once or twice and make it make it worth your time yeah it's definitely banking on workload versus the 4600 cost and you know crossing your fingers for some kind of uh big player a touchdown or two at least um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Nevada Fresno, I'm actually uh, targeting the Nevada running game. James Butler is the better player between him and Don Jackson, but mm-hmm. Don Jackson still seems to be the starter. Either player is capable of going off against Fresno's run defense, which is atrocious. I think it's 25 touchdowns they've allowed on the ground already. Oh my goodness. Um, let's see. Yeah, 25 and eight games. So um, <laughs> Don Jackson's the cheaper one. Butler's the more explosive one at a slightly higher price. It's, to me, it's a matter of can you afford Butler, and if so, go for him. Otherwise, if, if you have to take a, a noticeable downgrade at wide receiver or quarterback to make room for Butler, I would not sweat it at all to, to drop to whatever, 5,500, I think. Um, let's see. For Tyler 50, Stewart? 5,400 for Don Jackson, sorry. Okay. Um, and Butler is 5,800, I think that would be. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I like both of those guys. If there's a receiver in this game I would go after, it'd be Jericho Richardson for Nevada. But generally, the Nevada passing game is low volume and kind of wacky to begin with. So Mm -hmm. I I would stick to the running backs there. And Fresno, Martiz Waller is a really good player, but he's got no help. And the Nevada defense has quietly been pretty decent this year. So I'm off of everybody, Fresno. I am too. I'm pretty much off this game in general. Uh, you might have swayed me on the on the Nevada running backs a little bit, but outside of that, I, I didn't really find much to uh, get excited about here. Sounds good. Um, we're going to quickly go through Friday, just a couple news blips here. Jihad Thomas was questionable with ribs as of yesterday, I think, and I would actually be curious to see if he's a rest candidate against an SMU squad that doesn't have the personnel to stop Temple. Doesn't, and it's even the good things that it had going for it on offense. I've started to fray Matt Davis. I don't know if he's hurt or if he's just uh, been figured out by defenses, but he's been a mess the last month. Mm-hmm. He's been again injury might have had something to do with it, but he was rotating with Daryl Colbert, the backup. So SMU just doesn't seem like a team that'll have anything going for it that day. If if Thomas is out, Raquel Armstead should be the starter at running back, and even if he's not very good, just uh, the short fields he should see thanks to that Temple defense. And the SMU defense not being good, Armstead should have a nice game if Thomas is out. Otherwise, Thomas is, as always, uh, you know, an auto play. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, uh, Adam Hine is supposed to be back for BYU, and he was starting ahead of Algernon Brown uh, before. I can't even remember with like an ankle or foot injury like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Algernon Brown has obviously been great, but Hine was ahead of him and is more athletic. He's not as big, probably not as good of a pass catcher, I don't think, but. 
they viewed Elgernon Brown as like a fullback before the, the Jamal Williams left the program and Hine got hurt. So that could be a, a pretty big hit to Elgernon Brown's value, although right. they probably owe him some kind of loyalty after how well he's done. So maybe an even split there between the two. Either way, don't expect Elgernon Brown to be the gold mine he's been up to this point. Um, but yeah, ready to move on to Saturday, John? I'm ready. All right, we're going to take on the early slate first on Saturday. Uh, John, what are the big uh, injury f- facts and other drama things to take note of? JT Barrett, perhaps? Uh, oh, that whole s- scooter incident. Um, he was yeah. on a scooter? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, man. It's a total football player move. They all have scooters now. So, uh, yeah, he got the uh, operating of his vehicle while impaired. So he'll be sitting out. Man, and you're going to take away his tuition over that? Right. Over- <laughs> I thought, I assumed he got in like a you know horse trailer, <laughs> like a boat on the back or something kind of thing. Like, uh, man, moped, what's he even going to do with that? Right. Um, uh, anyway, so, so that means shame on Barrett, though. Definitely. But that means Cardale is going to get the start. But... Uh, there's a reason why Cardale lost the job in the first place, so I'm not overly excited about him for for uh, for Saturday. I actually really uh, I, I kind of left John out to dry there because I got my times mixed up. Like that's a that's not even a is that an early slate game there? I think it might be a six thirty. Oh my central. bad. So as far as the earlier <laughs> games, <laughs> sorry John. Um, no John worries. had all of his early windows open, um, and I just blurted out something about a different time range entirely uh but yeah so early slate i guess i guess we me and john talked a little bit before the show we agreed that uh the tennessee running game looks like a nice uh bargain at least on DraftKings. we got jalen hurt at 6300 um that's a that's a building block play to me i'm gonna have that in cash and tournaments both Mm -hmm. um otherwise josh dobbs i guess 8,000 against the South Carolina defense that couldn't do anything against Kyler Murray in his first start at the college level. I'm intrigued by that, especially because Dobbs, I I was a fan of his before the year, and he's kind of, I'm kind of getting the faith back um, now that he's had a couple good games. And he's proven he can take on a defense that isn't very good, and I think we can call South Carolina that. So, absolutely. Are you you considering him at 8,000? I think, I think. He's definitely worth the worth a look if you want to go for two sort of like not not overpriced such as Ward or, or Boykin, but you know, a couple of eight thousand dollar guys uh that that'll suit you well. I think Dobbs is definitely one to target against South Carolina. And on the flip side, the only South Carolina guy I've really looked at is um Brandon Wilds, and he had a really excellent game last weekend. I, I would be willing to go to the well again on him, even if Tennessee has like a decent run defense it doesn't necessarily scare me away from playing wilds they're allowing 4.4 yards per carry and i don't know what that number would even be once you adjust for the sack yardage so i I, yeah i agree the volunteers defense is something that wilds is good enough to exploit although as far as other uh, south carolina guys I do think that um, I think Farrow Cooper is worth a glance at fifty nine hundred. Yeah, he's dropped so far from the beginning of the season, and it, not his fault, obviously. Right, he had a, a basically not very good game on the road against A and M. A and M's run defense is bad, but their pass defense has been good this year. So I'm more interested in the fact that he had uh, in the three prior weeks a combined uh, twenty five catches for 
367 yards and two touchdowns against Vanderbilt and then on the road against LSU and Missouri those are three of the very best pass defenses in the country so Tennessee's not scaring me and Farrow had a huge game against them last year for whatever it's worth um trying to get my stats pages up here but um Anyway, so 5,900 for Farrow, I think, I think is in play. I don't know if I'll be able to fit him in exactly because I've got some other mm. targets. Uh, sorry, you were saying? S- similar price range, uh, you know, 6,000 for Will Fuller um, for, from Notre Dame going against Pitt. I think I kind of like Fuller's upside a little bit more because there, there's, a, there's a bit of the element where Notre Dame is in the playoff hunt now, and they know that from the poll that came out last night. So they're going to want to have the style points because that's obviously a very important thing. And I think Fuller could possibly go off and torch uh, Pittsburgh more so than Cooper against Tennessee, and he's only $100 more. Uh, real quickly, so Farrow Cooper's game against Tennessee last year was just the only word is stupid. <laughs> the, the only word that is appropriate is stupid. He had 11 catches for 233 yards, Ugh. two touchdowns, ran for 23 yards and a touchdown, and um, threw a 30-yard touchdown pass. Not so bad. Not I wouldn't bad. expect that exactly, but uh, yeah, I, I like him a little bit this week. Um, as far as the Notre Dame game, I, I don't think I'm on anybody for Pittsburgh. Their backfield is unclear. Allison and Chris James seem to be rotating and, uh, you know, getting benched in various scenarios for, for screwing up in different <laughs> ways. No reliability there. And even Tyler Boyd at 6,200, I'm not even remotely considering when there's DeMarcus Ayers at 6,100 exactly. and Cooper at 59. Um, have you had a chance to watch Deshaun Kaiser closely yet? Uh, I watched a bit of the Temple game. Uh, his mobility really stood out to me on that long touchdown run. Obviously, it's kind of hard not to. Um, his arm, his arm looks pretty good too, and he's got you know receivers that can kind of make up for it as well. Uh, at seventy two hundred, uh, what do you think about that price? I d- see, he's he's someone that I've been uh, unable to really get a firm conceptualization of because I just. I don't know how one-to-one his talent is relative to Zaire or even Golson, mm-hmm. but uh, at this point, it feels like he's just got to be really good because through eight games this year, he's got 11 passing touchdowns versus six interceptions, and he's running for 4.4 per carry, five touchdowns and 72 carries. Uh, when he's averaging nine carries per game, uh, that, that puts him like on the kind of you know .75 rushing touchdown per game projection, which... Uh, Considering he did he, he did that against Temple of all teams right. uh, on the road, that's awfully impressive. I mean, he hasn't fa- he's actually had a really tough schedule here, at, uh, starting with the road game against Clemson, where he also did quite well for himself. Mm-hmm. I, what I don't know how to how to how to factor in is the Pittsburgh defense, which I had relatively high expectations for, and and even. Uh, thought highly of as recently as a week ago but then they went and got just obliterated by North Carolina well not obliterated they only gave up 26 points but they gave up a lot of yardage to North Carolina Um, so yeah I don't I don't know what to expect from Kaiser but he's done very well both on the road and against tough defenses so it seems like whatever your usual per game projection is should be in play again Um, as far as picking him I probably won't just because I think I like Gunnar Keel at seventy one hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still supposedly a quarterback competition with him and Hayden Moore, although uh, Tommy Tupperville conceded uh, that after completing uh, all of his passes, I think <laughs> fifteen, 15, 15, 15 for three hundred and nineteen yards and five touchdowns, 
he uh, will not be benched. Apparently. Wow, amazing. Um, but yeah, so that actually, uh, I guess that's a good way to lead into the game that I will definitely target quite a bit is uh, Houston and Cincinnati. Uh, I thought you said Greg Ward at eighty six hundred might have been a little overpriced earlier. Uh, no, if you're oh. if you're going for the higher priced guys. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I actually I love Greg Ward at eighty six hundred at home against this Cincinnati. Week, yep. Those, that's two up tempo teams. Both of them can score on the other. I think it could be you know like a one of those things where it's like if you don't have them, you do not have a good chance of keeping up uh, with the people who do. So mm-hmm. I'm going to really make it a point to get in Greg Ward, perhaps in all of my lineups, because I think 8,600 is pretty affordable, especially when you got guys like Keel at 7,100, Kaiser at 72, Marquise Williams at 7,000 is in play. I don't trust him. I don't trust that team at all, but the Duke defense didn't do that well against Miami last week. And Miami was playing its second quarterback. And, uh, yeah, so it's Duke has generally not been tested very well, despite mm-hmm. uh, how great their numbers have looked on defense. And, and otherwise... Um, I have a super cheap uh, quarterback as well that can kind of take away some of the sting. It's of not the, J.W. Walsh? Uh, it is not, even though he had what, that was three, actually, that three touchdowns last week. Good. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but Nate Sudfeld, actually, at 5,200, he's you know he throws for almost 300 yards a game. I know he's going against Iowa, and Iowa has a good defense, but when you look at who Iowa's gone against, I would say that maybe maybe like Freddie Knighton is the best quarterback they've had to go against. Hmm. Um, not Joel Stave? <laughs> not Joel Stave, believe it or not. So, All right, uh, I guess he might have a point then. I think Sudfeld for 5,200, uh, I think that that's something that gives you so much flexibility in a, in a GPP-type format that I, I would definitely look at look at him. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, uh, Iowa's season numbers on pass defense allowed is uh, 53 completion percentage, 5.7 per pass, 10 touchdowns on 283 attempts, 12 interceptions in the same span. Uh, but we're talking Illinois State, uh, Sam Richardson of Iowa State, Chad Voidick, perhaps. I don't know if they were giving Peter the ball. It might have been like a 50-50 thing there. Yeah, yeah. So I misspoke Pitt- on Knighton there, by the way. Um, My yeah. North Texas, which is just dumpster fire. Stave, who is also a dumpster fire. Uh, Wes Lunt, who's not good, it turns out. Uh, Clayton Thorson, who's the worst. And, and Perry, Perry Hills, who can't uh, throw the football. Yeah, so that's, that's actually pretty interesting, especially because Sudfeld has shown the ability to kind of rise to the occasion, even against perceived, uh, you know, tough opponents yeah he had a big game against michigan state a few weeks ago right and i I think we would consider the iowa defense quite a bit better but Mm -hmm. uh yeah sudfeld is i mean he's a senior uh he's got he's got a good report looks like with ricky jones and simi cobb so i i agree at that price i mean it's it all you really need from him is like 200 yards and two touchdowns and i Mm -hmm. feel like he's got a good chance of doing that absolutely um but yeah otherwise like yeah i'm pretty much going for i guess uh greg ward at quarterback uh, I got to do a little bit more research on the Kaiser Keel Williams trio who uh, are, are in a row relative to descending price. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Chad Kelly at 6,700 at home. He's been erratic this year, but Arkansas's defense has not impressed. And 6,700 is cheap enough, I think, for, especially for a guy who's on a team with the over under you know, or the, you know, the, pr- the projected points that he'll have. Right. Um, otherwise, I'm probably going to try to move up a little bit in a lineup or two to get some some of the uh, Texas Tech West Virginia game there. I don't know what to make of it exactly, but because like I, I didn't expect that Texas Tech Oklahoma State game at all last week. Right. For instance, it was one of the wackiest box scores any of us will ever see, and I don't <laughs> know what it means. I think all that we really know is that Mason Rudolph and J.W. Walsh are two players who we won't be able to predict anything in, 
about. And uh, the backfield for Oklahoma State is garbage. Terrible. Two, two good receivers, David Glidden and James Washington, but even they are kind of unreliable. It took a huge passing volume for both of them to get theirs last week. Yeah, I think, did Washington have, is he the one that had four catches for 200 yards? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he didn't, and he didn't do anything for like three quarters. Right? I, like, I actually had him in a couple of lineups and just cursed oh my God. his name <laughs> as I t- like closed up my laptop and had a hate session in my basement or whatever but <laughs> then i look like at 15 minutes later and like when did he do that my god um but anyway so yeah washington just to re- reference real quick washington's 4500 against tcu so that's definitely in play for me he's yeah. more of a gpp type though because that that often spreads the ball around so much and the tcu defense has gotten a little bit better lately although uh being on the road kind of negates a lot of the progress that they've probably made um glidden's the much more reliable target and then if you're playing on DraftKings, he's more viable because he's it's PPR there, and right. he's he's not really going to score touchdowns. But at 4,400, he's he's got 38 catches on the year. That's 15.2 fantasy points per game on DraftKings. So I think he's in play too. Um, are you going to be going for Boykin at 9,400 though? Uh, against Oklahoma State, uh, 9,400. I mean, obviously. Uh, if you're a big uh, multi-entry person or you're otherwise, you know, just go in with the strategy of getting some GPP exposure for the most part um, to every conceivable high scorer, I can I can see why someone would go for Boykin. Obviously, it's it's uh, it's a it's not the ideal matchup being on the road um, against a defense that has otherwise had pretty decent numbers this year. But even on the road on DraftKings, it's forty three point two fantasy points per game for Boykin and. Pat Mahomes just put up uh, 47.8, yeah. uh, 480 yards, four touchdowns, and ran for 46 and a touchdown. So I think Boykin makes a lot of sense in a GPP scenario, but it takes, I think, a failure of a day for Greg Ward, Mahomes, maybe even like Skylar Howard and Chad Kelly types for him to really uh, benefit you at that price. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, otherwise, like I don't know what to make of Aaron Green at TCU at all at this point. I mean, he's so explosive on a per play basis. Uh, nine touchdowns on 125 carries. He's gone two weeks without a touchdown. 15 carries last week, 12 the week before. But in those 27 carries, he has just 74 yards over the last two weeks. And I have I haven't seen him play in those two games, so I don't know if he looks any different or whatever. But I think his shaky workload at the very least kind of pushes him to GPP territory. But at 5800. I mean, his previous prices were 7,200, 7,000, 78, 79, 76. So Oof. that's a huge price decrease for a guy who can has shown in the past he can he can give you a big box score on just 10 touches. And it seemed like his price really dropped off be, because of the, the sort of no-show against uh, Iowa State. And I think, yeah. I think that some of that has to deal with the fact that um, – you know, TCU kind of had to had to step up and play there, and they kind of went away from the run game a little bit. Or am I thinking of the Kansas State game? Oh, uh, that was actually the game where he had like an 80-yard touchdown on the first play of the game, and he still only ended that one with 12 carries or whatever. But Iowa State, he it was just like every play, he was it was like a long of four or minus four on every play. Mm-hmm. So he ended up with like 12 yards on 11 carries or something. So I'm Yikes. sure it's, I'm sure that's why the price drop happened. But yeah, it feels like he he's due, but it's it's generally a bad policy to go putting your money on gut feelings like that. So. <laughs> I don't think I'll be going after him. I, I've I've yet to go through all of my GPP scenario lineups, so maybe there's one that I'll fit him in 
just because he's so cheap relative to the I mean if you look at his 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 shares of rushing production in that offense and then look at things like their projected point total I think he's like objectively a really good value it's just the volatility it's it's really hard to know when he's going to be the good Aaron Green right but I mean 5800 if he can give you like a 35 point game so I think it's worth considering if you got if you're going multi-entry GPP type of stuff interesting uh, we don't need to say anything about Josh Doxson I don't think but 8300 I think is actually uh one of the cheaper prices I've seen this year. Yeah, it's surprisingly cheap. Uh, yeah, you don't necessarily have to break the bank for him, which I which I or, definitely like. I guess he's just been lower than I thought. I mean, he's, he was over. He was at eighty four hundred last week and went down one hundred after merely scoring uh, forty four point four points. But <laughs> three straight weeks of forty plus fantasy points for Doxon. Um seems pretty clear that no one can stop him, and he's gonna he's a candidate for fifteen targets every single game. Uh, do you like Listenby or uh, Turpin here? They're both Tur- in the in the you know, the, the sub five thousand. Yeah, forty one hundred for Turpin and Listenby's at forty eight hundred. I think those prices are totally fair, but I doubt I'll go after them much just because I I, I kind of make my lineups anyway with like a cash game focus, and I don't really con- consider either of those guys a cash game consideration because uh, yeah, I mean I, I forty four hundred for David Glidden versus you know I mean he's like a middle between forty one hundred for Turpin and forty eight hundred for Listenby, and I think I would project him to safely outproduce both of them. Okay, so yeah, I guess Definitely the theme, safer bet the theme too. for these G- TCU guys is GPP only. I guess we're kind of reaching the conclusion. I of. think so too. Um, but yeah, so are you going to be looking? Uh, sorry, to go back to that West Virginia Texas Tech game, over under screams that there's a lot of value to be had in this game. Skylar Howard, the quarterback. Uh, B- big miss for me against TCU. He he just pretty That's much okay. took a I mean, dump. He had a he had a touchdown uh to Shelton Gibson that was I mean, you couldn't have thrown it any better if he just placed it in his hands and, and he dropped it. And I think that might have had a little bit to do with the weather or I'm not even sure if there's a real explanation for it, but you know, that obviously robbed him of a touchdown. Um but do you think you'll go back to him this week? I mean, he, Texas Tech just got shredded. I mean, they get shredded every week, yeah, let's be honest. Here's the thing. like, I don't think Skylar Howard is a very good conventional quarterback. The concern with him going into this year was that his accuracy just wasn't very good. And after seven games, his completion percentage is 55.9, including an alarming stretch in the past three weeks where it was against Oklahoma State, 51.4, against Baylor, 48.6, and then TCU, 41%. Ugh. Um, he has not thrown over he's he's thrown under 200 yards in three of his last four games but I I feel like you got to get if you're doing GPPs I think you got to get some exposure to Howard because he's at home the Texas Tech defense is awful and Howard can run he just hasn't really done it that much and when you're talking Mm -hmm. about you know running against Texas Tech it's like if if you haven't had your big game yet now is the time for it to happen the over under seven eight seventy eight and a half West Virginia's eight and a half point favorites. I love Wendell Smallwood for the, that reason. I'm going to have him in every single I. lineup I do at 6,400. But uh, yeah, 7,500 for Howard is it's just expensive enough that I probably won't consider him in cash games. But I think he's got really, really good odds of breaking the 30 point mark for fan, fantasy points. So I, I think I think he makes a lot of I think he makes surprisingly a lot of sense for even cash games. But then the the, the thing is, I guess. Would you rather just pay a hundred more for the guy on the other side in that game, Pat Mahomes? Mm. Uh, 
The West I, Virginia defense is probably a little bit different at home, but uh, it seems to have been to be like a may, maybe you know it's just a recency bias because I think West Virginia has played like the three best teams in the conference uh, over the, in their last three games, so uh, maybe their defense hasn't looked as good against those those type of teams. Uh, but at home. Even even with that said, I still think that Mahomes can probably still put up a pretty pretty big game. His his volume Mahomes this is uh, his volume is just crazy. Like e- even if he's not particularly sharp, like you said, he can put up points because um, and the the big change with him relative to past Texas Tech quarterbacks is he runs all the time and he's got such good chance to get in the end zone on the ground. He's got already yeah. I think he has a school record for rushing touchdowns in the season. He's got by eight rushing touchdowns already, and uh, so I mean. It, when you're talking about an offense that by default will throw around 45 to 50 passes, what's, what are the odds that he's going to throw like 50 passes for less than something like 280, 300 yards? Like all he really needs to do is average six yards per pass and he can meet value because he's such a good runner in addition to the pass happy offense. Mm-hmm. So I guess, I guess I would, I would make the move to Mahomes if I had the money to do it. Um, but I'll probably try to get a little bit of both of those guys because I, th- I think it does set up to be a, a pretty good shootout scenario. Yeah, I think you made a very interesting case for Howard. I hadn't really been considering him before that. But yes, yeah, otherwise, 6,400 for Wendell Smallwood is just screaming value. Uh, the guy who dropped the touchdown last week, Shelton Gibson, is 5,500. And if you believe in the over-under and you look at his, his shares of production in that offense, I think, again, you have to really like him this week. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's just he's got to get in on the on the the action and it seems like there will be action to be had so 5500 he's he's definitely in play more so gpps just because it's hard to that that passing game just seems a little bit um i don't know belligerent and random a lot of the time so it's hard to project where it'll go does uh david sills strike you at all i mean he's dirt cheap 3100 he's only played in two games this year but he's you know a tall lanky big target for them and i think that's kind of unique for, uh, amongst the rest of the receiving core that's a good point. I actually did not have a chance to ever see this guy play, so I was definitely thrown off a little bit. He's listed Sorry. as a quarterback, uh, so it sounds like he's he's an athletic guy trying to just get on the field because he can't beat out Howard. But, yeah, right. last, last two games, five catches for 106 yards and a touchdown. I don't know his target data. That That's something I should look up. But, yeah, 6'3", 198, whereas Gibson's, I think, just like six foot and, and Jovan Durante is like 6'1", 170. Mm-hmm. Dakeel Shorts is uh, 6'1", 200. So, yeah, there's a big target. You have to like Sills' chance of getting a red zone shot or two. Obviously, 3, GPP scenario. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that is pretty That is pretty cheap there. So, um, otherwise, let's see. What, do you got any other – I mean, we got to talk t- quickly about Tulsa. Uh, Kiaris Garrett, uh, yeah, garbage last week, but 6,800. Yeah, his, it seemed like his price just like f- fell way off, uh, you know, after one – semi-human game that wasn't even his fault so i uh i'm definitely going back to the well there at 6800 i think he going against the ucf team that's just abysmal mm. i think he's going to absolutely light them up again d'angelo brewer was questionable last week he's a cheap running back option at 4400 he got 23 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown he's better than zach langer but he's a different kind of player he doesn't get the short yardage work so brewer needs to get his touchdowns from more than 15 yards away but i think there's a good chance he does it against ucf um, they're a mess. Really yeah. quickly, C.J. Jones on UCF is someone to watch. It's hard to tell what the workload split between Dontravius Wilson and him will be, but Jones last week had 18 carries against Cincinnati for 123 yards and a touchdown. At 4,300 on a slate where there aren't a lot of obvious cheap options, 
that's a that's a guy to consider. Otherwise, in that game, 3,700 for Traquan Smith, the receiver for UCF, clear lead receiver there. And uh, I mean, if they're going to have over 200 yards of offense, it's like seems like he's got a good chance to get something <laughs> going. He's only 3,700, so uh, that's I guess a, a yeah, value good chance guy of hitting value for sure. Um, but yeah, let's. Do you want to move on to the late slate then, or do you got something else to mention quick? Um, what did you have any thoughts about? Uh, Arizona State versus Washington State. I, I really got a chance to watch Arizona State last week, and I was kind of impressed by a couple guys. I thought Tim White looked really good, uh, and he's at 5,000. It seems like he's kind of emerged as one of uh, Mike Berkovici's favorite targets. And Kalen Balage is just, I mean, he's just a physical specimen. He's, I think he's 6'3". There, there should be a vine, if you, if you just search him on Twitter, of him absolutely just trucking one of these Oregon defenders down the yeah, sideline. Yeah, he's like a 6'3", 230 guy who they had also playing as a like a blitzing linebacker before uh, Demario <laughs> Richard yeah, so, got hurt. So he's got, he runs with bad intentions, and uh, Washington State seems kind of friendly on defense, so I, I wouldn't mind using him at 4,700. Do you have t- any thoughts about that? Yeah, Tim White at 5,000 is definitely in play for me. He's actually a cash game target and GPP target alike because he's just getting targeted so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. And uh, the tempo should be up even higher than usual in this game so love tim white I, I dj foster has basically broken my heart i had it's high expectations for right. him last year and i had you know i had longing hope for him this year but he's just done nothing i don't know if it's i mean to be fair he caught six passes last week for 87 yards and six, had six carries for 29 yards but that's overtime wackiness so exactly who knows? um demario richard uh is, is actually a pretty good player uh in general and when he's fully healthy he gets a huge workload uh, I don't know if Ballage's strong showing last week changes things at all, but before he had really high percentages of, of the rushing and receiving production both. Mm-hmm. 6,800, though, I think is just enough to keep me away outside of GPPs just because I think I'm going to build around Hurd and Smallwood for the most part. Right. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, uh, Gabe Marks is always automatic. 6,600 for him is, is totally good price, cash and GPP both. Um, Dom Williams is due for a multi-touchdown game, and I think it makes a lot of sense for this to be it. So 5,300, I really like for him as That's well. Good. Uh, don't know about Craycraft. He seems like a little bit lower ceiling than I would like for uh, most of my players, but he, he should get, you know, he, he shouldn't kill you. He should get like 15 fantasy points or something. Uh, it's just, you know, I, th- I think we should aspire for better things. I agree. Um, really quickly, we don't know if Dalvin Cook's going to play, but uh, it seems like he probably would, given yeah, the stakes going of that against game. Clemson. Um, I don't think I'm going to target spoiler. that game in general, just because uh, Cook is 7,800 going against a Clemson defense. That's pretty intimidating. Uh, Deshaun Watson is amazing, amazing, but 7,900 against Florida State. Um, I just feel like there's safer choices there. I think so too. I think the the only things that I would really even look for in that game. Uh, let's see. Do you know what Jock Jockez Patrick's uh, uh, salary is? Uh, I think it's uh, he's fifty three or something. Let me see. Okay, he's gone up to fifty two hundred. Um, that's if Dalvin Cook plays. Obviously, you got to stay away from that. Uh, if in even even if uh, Cook is out. Patrick's gonna be going against one of the best defenses in the country. Period. Um, I think really, I think, you can, I think you can go for him if Cook is out. But yeah, I'd be pretty surprised, especially with a week to rest. Like Cook almost has to be in there. I think so too. I, I think really what I'm trying to say here is that the Clemson freshman uh, wide receivers down in like the sub sub four thousand level, Kane, uh, Sharon Peak. Uh, I forget if Ray Ray McLeod is still in that price range as well. But those guys are really 
really talented. I like Kane quite a bit, actually. That's that's actually a good uh, a value target to mention because um, they're both they're he's really really cheap. Yeah, Kane was like the hyped recruit, and outside of a game where he kind of had like a coach's decision suspension type thing, his last three games are uh, let's see, an average fantasy point total of like thirteen on DraftKings. He had a mm-hmm. touchdown last week. Um, 97 yards against a tough Boston College defense uh, two weeks before that. So, yeah, I like Kane as well. I haven't had a chance to see much of McLeod, but he's more of a slot guy. And Peak is actually like a redshirt senior who's just had a lot of injury problems. And he's he's big, and he used to be fast, but I don't know if he still is because his numbers <laughs> have just big been garbage slow, for like his career. Like Jordan um, Yeah, Leggett. Yeah, so. um, anyway, yeah, I guess that's that's wraps up our thoughts with that one. I think so, too. Uh, probably be a little more brief with the late slate because I, th- I think it's a little more clear of a picture. Uh where, where do you want to start? I guess like Ohio State, um, obviously JT Barrett is out. Cardale will start, but I mean, do we expect Braxton, uh, Braxton Miller shenanigans? I do. I do expect Braxton Miller to kind of to to end up throwing a pass 4, or two. Forty-four hundred, right? So I think like the versatility that he brings. I mean, obviously a passing touchdown versus a rushing touchdown isn't great, but I think that he could be in line to have several touchdowns like three plus against minnesota and i think uh with with how cardale jones played before uh he got benched i, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some packages where it's just braxton running like a wildcat type of thing towards the end zone i'll definitely be going in on braxton uh quite a lot like probably at least three-fourths of my late slate lineup so i agree needless to say i won't be going after cardale i just I, something nope. seemed off with him before and i don't i don't think like just his his will to just get a starting job back will suddenly fix whatever he was doing wrong prior to that so mm-hmm. uh for what it's worth he's 6600 i mean they're at home against minnesota but i i, I will stay away nonetheless um but yeah otherwise uh, for this slate i guess the biggest piece of drama otherwise is juju smith schuster the broken hand it seems like he's got to be doubtful for this week although he, he had surgery on it on monday I yeah think. He, and they they call them though a limited participant in uh today wednesday's practice i think that, that sounds, sounds like, like gamesmanship more yeah. than anything so i i think he's out i don't know what to make of the remaining pass catching options but it would be it darius rogers it makes me think to maybe try out some of the run game options there yeah uh one of the more interesting value targets i think on the slate was ronald jones at a uh, 4200 he's basically behind trey madden and justin davis both on the depth chart but he's more efficient than either yep uh five touchdowns and 70 carries this year including three in his last uh four weeks so he had he had 80 yards and a touchdown and 11 carries against california last week so if if you're looking for someone who's i mean i don't i guess i don't think he has a ton of upside but i I don't think his downside is probably not gonna burn you But do you got any targets in mind for the Iowa State Oklahoma game? Otherwise, I know that Baker Mayfield's kind of expensive at eight thousand, but but his production, uh, while like even though you watch him and you're, you're kind of just worried the whole time, just that he's going to do something crazy, terrible. But the bottom line is he's averaging what thirty thirty one points a game. I like that, and I think going against Iowa State, who's pretty vulnerable, I think Mayfield's going to have a big game. Yeah, I agree that Mayfield is definitely one of the top quarterback targets on the slate. And as far as the running game, 7,000 for Perrine is just enough to make me consider him. But 
uh, with the uncertain workload split with Mixon there and even Alex Ross getting on the field last week. Mm-hmm. I guess I might otherwise avoid that backfield for the most part. Uh, 6,800 is too much for me to consider Sterling Shepard, but D.D. Westbrook at 4,900 is in play for me. I uh, don't think I'll be going after the Iowa State passing game at all. Uh, do you have an opinion? Uh, def- yeah, definitely not the passing game, but, uh, you know, with the new quarterback, uh, Spencer Lanning. But, you know, last week that was his first start. They gave Mike Warren 32 carries, and I think they're going to do that again. And I think that Oklahoma has shown to have a pretty soft run defense at times, and I think Mike Warren is – you know, quietly one of the more talented uh, backs in the Big 12. So I think that he might be worth it at 5,600. That's a good point. And as far as our, I guess our favorite value target on this slate is uh, in the other game, Nebraska, Michigan State. Everybody's out for Nebraska, so don't pick Nebraska people. Don't but, do it. Uh, McGarrett Kings is only 3,300, which is weird because he's actually been quite consistent lately. Mm-hmm. Um, high floor guy, uh, seven catches in his last game. Does Burbridge price you out at 6,700? I mean, I think that Nebraska's secondary is so bad to where you, you want to get as much Michigan State action in the passing game as you can. Yeah, that makes sense. Burbridge is a high floor, high ceiling uh, guy, both at 6,700. So many targets. Um, I didn't get him in my first lineup that I did there, but it was I didn't feel good about leaving him out. So mm-hmm. uh, when I get to the multiple entries, I'm definitely going to have to make room for somebody like him. Even RJ Shelton at 4,000, I think, is in play because he's basically been an equal to Kings. It's just uh, the cheaper price for Kings is what pushes us there. One concern that I have regarding Michigan State is uh, how they use their running backs because I think LJ Scott's the best of the bunch but the i don't know they don't what, seem to trust him right? like he so seems they, to have disciplinary issues there in the background because they they trust gerald holmes more so exactly uh which by the way he's only 3800 so i mean if that really does turn into a blowout holmes could get you know the the veteran the reliable veteran uh <laughs> bonus while they try to do a the whole you got to work yeah, harder thing put to him scott. in timeout <laughs> yeah make make scott really earn it by watching holmes get a garbage time touchdown or something <laughs> Uh, it guess you know dumber more petty things happen all the time in sports oh, so yeah. who knows um is anyone in memphis i, I don't think we're going to be going after any navy guys keenan no. reynolds for the record is 7500 but i'm not on that uh memphis guys they spread the ball around a little too much i think and yeah running it's sort backs, of like whack-a-mole as far as picking their receivers sometimes and, you luck out sometimes you, you you end up with nothing right most frazier and anthony miller are the top two guys the backfield is off limits it's just stupid they're running back rotation there's no way to foresee it and mm-hmm. so i'm not going to bother uh texas a&m auburn um what, what got any thoughts my, there my my gpp strategy just based on this slate is definitely to pay up for quarterbacks so i like uh mayfield at ou and then i'm going with kyler murray at 7400 i think that you know auburn has a terrible defense uh, i don't think there's really any other way of putting it at this point and i think that murray is you know even if they like kind of shut down the passing lanes he has, he's dynamic enough to run it you know for triple digits again yeah, and actually, that that that's actually a good thing to point out. I'm actually going to be making the A and M guys a staple of my lineups. Murray, Trey Carson's only five thousand, which is again too cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, otherwise, Ricky Seals Jones is only four thousand, and he's quietly that. been quite good for the last month. Christian Kirk is, I'm pretty sure, still their top receiver, and Josh Reynolds at forty four hundred is also in play. But yeah, Kirk uh, is Kirk has dropped way down to fifty six hundred. Right. If he was still up in like that sixty five hundred range, then no way. But Kirk is for real. So a couple oh, yeah. bad weeks in a row means he's he's due to do something. But 
for me, it's just four thousand for Seals Jones is so cheap. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, like I'm, I'm not going to be going after any Auburn people. The Jovan Robinson thing is so hard to figure out, but he's cheap, so uh, it's just that I don't think his workload was due to much more than Peyton Barber being exhausted from that four overtime nonsense right. uh, the week before. Uh, not going to approach South Florida ECU, except maybe Marlon Mack at 5,500, but he's a little gimpy lately. Right. That's just kind of enough to scare me away. Um, Utah, Washington will be a sloppy game probably, except for when uh, Devontae Booker breaks it open late. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, ge- I generally kind of like uh, to fill in my lineups with Washington value plays, you know, kind of like bottom bottom barrel guys, but not against Utah this week. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of avoiding this game entirely, actually. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I will also do that. Um, let's see. So kansas texas is a dumpster oh, fire oh god no uh 4900 for jonathan gray is enough to make me consider it just because kansas's defense can make basically anybody look good but mm-hmm. both teams are just a mess i don't know what's wrong with texas i was not expecting them to just take that dump last week but uh yeah, one yeah. step forward two te- two steps back with them it seems like yeah charlie strong's people love him but i don't think they can prove that he really knows what he's doing right now um but yeah lsu alabama i mean calvin ridley's a high volume guy so DraftKings' ppr pricing makes him a consideration at 48 but probably only gpps because i think there are more reliable options are you going to get in on the uh the running back showdown in that game at all i don't think so i think both defenses are so just unbelievably talented you know both up front and on the edges i think that uh you know for the price I just I can't justify going Fournette against that front seven. I, and I Fournette can't. is a no go for me at yeah. all. Ninety three hundred is just out of the question. Hen- Henry, Henry is kind just, of interests me. Yeah, but. a little little bit for a GPP perhaps if I got a bunch of other cheap guys and I'm willing to go with a wacky looking lineup. But seventy eight hundred for him too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's it's just not a good pricey. setting. And you know you're you're sort of you just hope that it you know on his twenty eighth carry he just you know runs for 70 yards and a touchdown when lsu is just gassed but that's about the best i can think of for henry we we kind of got a little mention of usc's backfield earlier i don't know what to make of nick wilson for arizona in the arizona usc game but if he somehow does play 5300 is really cheap it just seems like he might be dealing with kind of like a week-to-week thing uh and one where he even when he does return he might have an uncertain workload for some time uh adoree jackson at 4500 is a little bit interesting if, if smith schuster is out as we expect mm-hmm. i probably don't have the guts to go with him he's a gpp guy only obviously right uh stephen mitchell do we know is he he i don't know if he's supposed to play this week he's been out a while he was ahead of darius rogers on the depth chart prior to getting hurt so if he's ready this week he's someone to take a look at at 3900 um otherwise if he is out again uh even if he's even if mitchell isn't out darius rogers at 3400 is pretty yeah, interesting that's a nice price that's a value target if you have faith in cody kessler's ability to produce even with juju on the sideline which i do at least against the arizona defense do you think uh, jalen green finds his way into the starting lineup again i know he's gotten two straight and they've both kind of ended poorly you know he's got less than seven points combined in his last two games i can't claim to know anything about jalen green but i do think it's safe to say the only reason he played was because rogers and uh mitchell were not ready i think so So, uh but yeah who knows where that's going and who knows about that quarterback rotation at arizona it seems like gerard randall's about to 
Denard uh, the Tate Forcier, that is a new <laughs> Solomon, but who really knows about that either? Not like Randall's done very well lately either, but, but at least run. he can run. That's one thing, and and a new Solomon has lately done zero things. Uh, so yeah, I guess we're both kind of off that game. However, the last game on this slate, California, Oregon, I want to target quite a bit. I don't know how to do it exactly aside from I really like Jared Goff at 7,900. I think he's got a really good floor and ceiling both. Um, I don't know what to make of Vernon Adams. He's been a much better passer than I expected, but a much worse runner, which is the exact opposite of what I expected from a guy returning from a broken index finger on right. his throwing hand. But uh, yeah, if he can get going as a runner, it's, it, he could have a huge game. I, the California pass rush, though, has been quite good this year, so I worry about him taking negatives like he did last week mm-hmm. in the rushing column. So probably won't go at Vernon Adams that much, but man, the, I, the ceiling is there, I think. I, and uh, on the res- you know, as far as the receivers go, your call last week on Darren Carrington kind of saved my uh, Thursday night uh, lineup, and I, I think I'm, I'm going to go to that well again. 5,200 is really right? cheap that for is that so over-under and what he's done the last two weeks. Braylon Addison. He looks, he looks like far and away like one of the better receivers in that. 5,100 is, is a 100 less for Braylon Addison. I think he's just about as good of a play. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those two, I got to I got to fit in both of those guys because I think they're both good and the setting is just very good for them to go off. Uh, I probably can't put the money aside to pay up for Royce Freeman at 8,500, but I think he has a huge game. Definitely. Um, I really like Royce this week. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, I guess who knows what to make of it. Kenny Lawler, though, has been garbage for the past two weeks. Right. He has nine touchdowns and 42 receptions. So uh, he, he, all the projections say that he has to do well in this game, basically. But uh, 6,100 is just high enough to make you feel queasy about putting him in a cash game lineup, I think, unless you really, really have faith in over-under type, uh, over-under based projections and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as a value play consideration, I mean, he's not quite value play territory, but Daniel Lasco finally started playing real snaps last week, 15 carries for 64 yards and a touchdown. Oregon's defense is garbage. I think he's someone to fit in in cash in tournaments both, even though he'll probably lose snaps to Kalfani Muhammad, who's another, uh, at least in GPPs, uh, another consideration at 3,600, I think, because if that game goes up-tempo, ridiculous shootout, Muhammad is one of the fastest players on that field, and he can add something as a pass catcher from the backfield. So I think it makes sense for him to get some looks um, in whatever hurry-up situations they might find themselves in. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts to, uh, close out this late slate here? Uh, I think we pretty much covered everything. Uh, you know, I just wanted to re- reiterate, you know, how much I liked, uh, A&M guys. <laughs> yeah. I love the A&M guys. And I think you got to attack, uh, Nebraska with some Michigan state guys as well. Yeah. The, I don't, I guess we like Connor cook a little bit if we if like you, those if receivers you're going cheap, so much. If you're going cheap quarterback, you know, and you're not going for the Mayfields or Kyler Murray's or, you know, if you're paying up for Paxton Lynch, I don't think either of us are. But you know, 6,700 for Connor Cook, I guess would would work. One other thing, I, I guess, do you like Ezekiel Elliott a lot this week as a GPP or cash game? I feel like he's actually surprisingly affordable relative to the usage he might get in this game. Uh, I feel like JT Barrett being out could be like another two rushing touchdowns for him. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Barrett definitely was was someone that was kind of gra- grabbing like two, three rushing touchdowns from him. So. Uh, I think that especially if Cardell struggles, they're they're just gonna be like not screwing around. We're gonna stick to the ground, and then Elliot's just gonna tear him up. Yeah, that's that's something I can foresee too. So I'm I'm gonna have to get some exposure to Elliot. And another thing that I've liked about Elliot's games recently, uh, he's also looked more explosive. I think he gets you know like 
he's getting closer to sort of his seven yards per carry type thing that when he went on his ridiculous run oh, last nice. year and he's starting to catch more passes um so that you know on a uh ppr type format oh, wow. like DraftKings. that yeah yeah uh it's definitely helping his value a lot so i think he he's really safe play and at 8400 uh that's pretty cheap for what you're probably going to get out of him so yeah uh i guess i guess that's about all of our thoughts for the moment uh thank you for bearing with us winging it without our brave leader our james um <laughs> but yeah uh thanks for listening uh, feel free to contact us at Twitter to uh, hate on us or say nice things to us or uh, suggestions, anything like that. John, where are you on Twitter? I'm at Johnny McKex. That is J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-C-K-E-C-H-S. I think James is uh, at Real, Real J.R. Anderson, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm at NFL Draft underscore RW. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks Have again. a great weekend. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.